The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and coming up on the podcast this week, Tom Cole is my special guest, as well as answering your gardening questions on all things from... Well, actually, it was all about holes in the lawns and foxes and badgers and starlings. Maybe squirrels, maybe rabbits. We'll also bring you some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus Plant of the Week feature, all exclusive to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Let's start then with this week's plant of the week, which is Orcuba japonica. Yep. Now, Orcuba japonica is the female clone. The male is Orcuba maculata. Now, a lot of people think it's a laurel. It's not a laurel. It's often commonly called spotted laurel or Japanese laurel. Why is it called Japanese laurel? Well, I'll explain. It was um, identified by a Philip Middle in 1783. It came from China. It's common in Japan and Korea. It was sent from Japan to Standish and Knot in 1861, and they actually grew it on from that one plant. Some are variegated, some are green, the flowers are very insignificant. They're sort of purplish petal, and then they've, they've got a lovely attractive uh, red fruit which actually droops and the birds can't get them. It thrives in maced condition. It really does. It, and the most important thing about it is it actually copes with pollution and it copes with salt-laden coasts. It's a useful plant because it's got variation, variegation, so it brings a bit of brightness into the garden when you don't want it. It's sometimes used as a house plant and it's often used as a container plant as well and then planted round. People use them, you know, just as a centre point. Um, often thought to be poisonous. Why? That's because laurel is poisonous and, as I said earlier, it's often thought to be a spotted laurel. It is not a spotted laurel. It is all Cuba japonica. Use it. It's a useful plant. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, Tom and I will bring you some top tips on things you can be doing in the garden this week. But let's now hear what you've called us about. And we start with Dennis from Eastwood. My raspberries, like fruit like fruiting a... I've got a lot of the leaves gone yellowy and yep. goldy colour. Yeah. Now, the thing is that when they finish, I cut them down and put them through the chipper and use them as mulch. Now, am I spreading the disease and what can I use next year to stop it happening? Right. Hang on. They're just going yellow now. Well, they've been going yellow for some time. Yeah, but are we talking the last few weeks? Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. They, I mean, they'll naturally do that anyway at uh, this time of the year. A lot of things have actually gone a bit yellow or brown 
way before we'd expected because of the weather we've had over yeah. the summer. But I think um, you know, yours sound perfectly fine, perfectly normal. Keep on doing what you're doing. And yes, you can use them as a mulch. You can use them in a compost. Yeah, you could do. Um, nice shredded up, actually. Be fine because they're quite hollow-centred. Uh, and then really think about mulching those raspberries. Uh, well, once it's wetter, do it then, or come back in the spring and a nice thick layer of mulch, good organic matter over the top. Yeah, I'll let them rot over the year, type of thing. Like yeah, but if you and if you haven't got enough mulch, go out and buy some composted bark, something like that. Put that around those raspberries. The more moisture you hold in those raspberries, the better fruits you'll get. Okay. No, it's not as easy. No, not as easy no, at all. No, it's just natural. No, natural. Okay, Dennis? Okay. Thanks a lot, right? Cheers. That's a pleasure. That's Dennis in Eastwood. We go to Beverly in Canoodon. Hello, Beverly. Hello, Ken and Tom. Um, My question for you is about clematis. Mm -hmm. I have um, the president and another two that I can't remember the names of. Do you know um, when they do you know when they flower? Do they flower at a similar time to President? Oh yes. Right. Yes. Okay. They, uh, but the growth has all finished now. Yeah. And the leaves are all brown and horrible. Mm-hmm. Is it yeah. all right to cut them back now? I'm just going to double check. Actually, you you've they've just they've just finished flowering. Yeah. Well, some time ago. Okay, but did they flower sort of? Was I didn't it was have it mid? Much in the way of flowers. Okay, but did the flowers happen Pres- quite early in the year, and then again in the summer, or just once? No, just the once. Yeah, it's present. That's yeah. a, I think present's a later one. Isn't it, it is actually. Mm-hmm. So is, if yeah. they're looking quite tatty, actually, I would actually cut those down to about How about two pairs of buds above the ground. Really, as far as that now? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I mean, if they're okay. looking really brown, you don't want to probably look at them when they're like that. No, <clears throat> I wouldn't. Uh, and I can see them through my front door and it looks as if there's someone standing there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, take them down. I mean, alternatively, you can leave them until the spring. And cut um, them back then. But to be honest, I, if it's looking particularly bad to look at, I would actually cut them down. So not right to the ground, to two pairs of buds yeah. above the ground. I yeah. often just take the fronts out of them with a pair of shears for now and then do it, do more to them in the spring. That's another way of doing it. Yeah, I'm not able to do that because of cut how them down. they're... Cut them down, um, get rid of them then. What else, yeah. would you, what else would you like to ask, Beverly? You had another question, didn't you? Yes, about ericaceous compost. Yeah, what would you um, like to know? I recently had um, a rhododendron, um, and I was told that they need ericaceous compost. It so, is better yes, with I've it, yeah. I planted it up in Good. ericaceous. But then I looked on the computer for what else needs ericaceous compost and found quite a few things, including clematis. Um, So I uh, top-dressed quite a few plants with ericaceous. Yep. But are there any plants that ericaceous would damage? No, not really at all, is there? Most plants, funny enough, actually prefer a slightly acidic soil. Oh, right. And in fact, actually clematis, most clematis actually prefer a slightly alkaline soil. Uh, but they tolerate, they, they do tolerate yeah. quite a range. So there's quite a lot of things, like the normal type of plants, like things like rhododendrons, which you've got, and camellias and azaleas and but iris. Don't, but don't panic too much with what you're reading, no. that things, you know, maybe prefer... You know, uh, middle to slightly 
acid because that's not anything to panic about, is it? And start digging things up and replanting them. Anything that's particularly acid loving or ericaceous loving best to get a good liquid feed isn't it tom in the and give it start feeding them in the spring definitely do yeah. i would definitely do some feed something with something with um sequestered seaweed. iron a, a seaweed based product that's a good one yeah something yeah. with sequestered iron and would be good for all your ericaceous plants in fact actually all your evergreens as well yeah all right right okay but just 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 one little thing uh one of my previous wrote Rhododendron, yeah. Um, it's got a lot of, or had a lot of, yellowing leaves all all through the summer. Were they the, um, were they I lower leaves or were they or they leaves on the top? Uh, underneath, right. at the bottom. So it's probably a Bit water issue. Uh, yeah. So the key with with all of those, so rhododendron azaleas and camellias in particular, is really keep them not saturated but sort of moist. And that will really help them develop their flower buds for the following year. And you'll get less of that leaf drop. OK, now we go to Beryl in Leon C. Hello, Beryl. Hello, good morning, gentlemen. And blue, good morning, blue, Ken. Is it I blueberries? Am... Blueberries we're talking, are we? Yes, we are. Last mm. year, I actually uh, spoke to you about one of my blueberry bushes that was really sad. And I took your advice and I cut all the dead branch off and left it. And this year, although I didn't get any blueberries, it's looking very healthy. Oh, it must have been that great advice we gave. But anyway, what would you like to know now about it? The other thing is, the other blueberry bush has been marvellous. Plenty of blueberries this year. Good. But it's got very straggly, tall, um, and it's in a tub. Uh, and I need to prune it in some way. Uh, what is the best advice you've got on that? Well, you can actually, if you've got quite long lim limbs on those plants, you can tip them or top them uh, so mm -hmm. they're roughly in shape with the rest of the plant, and that's all you would need to do, really. If it's right. really thick, if it's quite a thick uh, shrubby plant, then don't be afraid to sort of thin out. Go for some of the older stems, and that will improve the airflow around the plant. All right. No, it's it's got a bit straggly and thin, actually, so I need to top the bits off, I should think. Yeah, and top it to actually encourage sideways growth. Right, lovely. OK, thanks. And just one other thing my husband just threw at me. Uh, he was saying about raspberries and blueberries. Well, we got the raspberry advice just now, the gentleman before. But um, his rhubarb, he said, what's the best thing to do about rhubarb for him? You know, compost or something? Compost. Loads of compost around your rhubarb. Yeah, they love lots and lots of organic matter. It really keeps the moisture in. And also adds some fertility to the plant. Yep. So they are put that on at this time of year and it work, works wonders. Frederick in Colchester. Hello, Fred. Yes, good morning, gentlemen. Um, I believe that just before your programme last Saturday... There was some talk about uh, Ken, I think, was going to discuss getting rid of uh, slugs and snails without using copper wire and eggshells. But we listened to the programme, but nothing was said about it. Ah, right. It was, um, it was, a, I'm trying to find my paperwork for you. Um, no, I didn't have time because so, oh, okay. it's nice to hear so many people ring in. Right. Um, yeah. The RHS have done research... Yes. on lettuces and general things that slugs like. Yeah. Uh, the five home remedies that were tried out in the study, copper tape, horticultural grit, pine mark mulch, wall pellets and eggshells, 
were thought to be a waste of time. Okay. So that's what they found. Um, they didn't say so much about, you know, treated wool pellets and pine cart that yield bigger crops. However, as the treatments acted as a fertiliser and mulch, the RHA. See, I mean, some of the things helped the plants, but they didn't actually get rid of the slugs and snails. No, no. So that is that was basically, and it was a Dr. Haley Jones, uh, entomologist at the RHS, and lead researcher did it. The study reveals basically that gardeners could be wasting their time and their money by turning home remedies. Yeah. Uh, however. Uh, they didn't go into saying that they were saying that uh, uh, testing other classic methods, tackling pesky pests such as beer traps. I mean, beer traps work mm. for a lot of people. Um, personally, I still use um, slug pellets because there's a lot of safer slug pellets that you can use today, aren't there, Tom? There are some organic uh, liquids you can put in. I actually do use coarse grits and coarse mulches. and. I found it sort of kept them at bay. At bay. And also hygiene as well, to removing the debris that they're going to love to feed yeah. on. That's also, you know, good practice. Is that all right, Fred? Yeah, thank you very much indeed. OK, yeah, that's Frederick in Colchester. Apologies for not coming back on that, pro on, on that comment that was made prior to my programme. Uh, now let's just check up on the travel and then we'll be back to talk to Maureen in Wickford, Kim in Hardy's, uh, Hardy's Green, Betty in Romford and Paula in Canvey. Sorry to keep you waiting so long, Paula, but we'll be with you in just a moment. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Tom, what you got? Come on, what's your first tip? Well, the first one is to boost your rhubarb. Boost your rhubarb. So, uh, or go out and grab someone else's rhubarb. <laughs> so, this is the perfect time of the year to dig up, dig up the rhubarb crown, yep. and split it in dividing. So, at least you have that growth point. So um, you're looking, what, for that sort of pinkish it's like tip? a slightly rounded growth point on a chunky bit of root. It's a very odd root system, the rhubarb. Now, a lot of rhubarb still got its leaf on. Does yep. that matter, or would we remove all the leaf? I'd probably take the leaf off. Uh, and if there's a small leaf, I'd leave it. Yeah. Uh, but if there's any older, larger leaves, yeah, cut those back. He's got enough energy in the root system for next year. And then really put that where you know it's going to not be disturbed. I'm going to ask you how you cut them, because I'd just chop it with a spade oh i use a spade or a knife yeah spade or yeah, knife straight good. through good straight through and if that's not enough <laughs> you're going to go back into the ornamental garden now and look at cutting down those perennials oh, yeah. Yeah. that are really past their best so even things like i mean it was yesterday i was cutting down some napita the cat mint it's just finished flowering it's got so big it's now encroaching on other plants i've just really raised it to the ground do you cut that down earlier in the season to get two flowers i've cut it down three times this year yeah I was going to say, we, we've in gardens been cutting it down. It's actually grown back. We've got it back already and it's showing new flower again. Well, I know what's going to happen. It will shoot again. And, and it, it will know, flower. Well, it, it might flower mild. again. But it, it's smothering and that's the only reason I'm cutting it down because it's smothering Aren't other plants. Aren't they huge? They are massive. This, this is six, six Hills Giant, Still which is massive. It's one of the best ones though, isn't it? But it's a very good shower, actually. It is. I've also had to 
very disappointingly, cut down some perennial grasses because you tend to leave those till February, March. You do. But they haven't fared particularly well this year, I don't think. The weather hasn't been particularly good for them. And so they're looking a bit tatty. The flower heads are collapsed. So I thought, what the hell? I've even lost cut f- the whole lot down. I've even lost a few that have dried out where I haven't got to them with water. And their grasses don't normally do that, do they? No. Uh, and actually, your other relatives like uh, the sedges and the rushes, yeah. they've really suffered. Mm. Yeah. So there you are. There's uh, some of Tom's tips, and we'll have more of those uh, for the next seven days later on in the podcast. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. I promised to go straight to Paula, didn't I, Paula? Sorry to have kept you waiting there, Paula. Uh, You're from Canvey. What are we talking about, Paula? I've got two small lawns. Yep. The first one is because the garden steps down. The first one isn't very good at all. The second one is about 18 months old and is quite a nice lawn. Mm-hmm. But for the last month, the couple of times a week, I've got something, I don't know what, coming in and digging holes about six inches across and four inches deep. And I fill them in, and then a couple of days... Or They've dug up again. Later, yeah. Any idea what I can do? Well, it's going to be squirrels or rabbits, usually, because some of the gardens... What do you think it is? Badgers? No, I'm just wondering, what, why is it digging it up? They dig up for roots. Yeah. To eat roots. Because you've also but, got a number of grubs that are coming And in grubs. Well. What would eating grubs? We've got things like leather jackets. Starlings. No, what would be eating the grubs? Oh, starlings. There's, so yeah, but they're large. big holes. You're saying how big are the holes? I've seen starlings really peck out quite large chunks. But rabbits will do it. Rabbits Badgers will, will do Badgers it. Badgers will huge do it. Amount. You can't do a lot. I mean, I've got gardens that have got just the same mm. problem. And you, you actually do just what you said. I've given mm. up putting turf in. I used yeah. to put turf in, but they pull the turf out. So, in fact, all I do is put soil in. Well, I just put soil in, try and plug back the grass that's left on the surface. Or put a bit of seed in. Or seed it, yeah. There's honestly nothing much you can do, is there, Tom? There's nothing you can use. So, we haven't got a good answer for you, have we? No, I was hoping you'd say, oh, sprinkle this down and it'll put them off. Well, you can use pepper dust. Pepper dust sometimes puts them off. There's some repellents, aren't they? There are some repellents. There's pepper dust and general animal repellents. You could try some of those. Right, because it's really just spoiling the look. I know, they do. It's horrendous. And it's, it's all across. You know, everybody seems to be having the same sort of problem. Oh, right. Oh, well, that makes me feel better. All right. We'll be talking talking to Gordon a bit later on, so stay tuned. Listen to Gordon, because Gordon's talking about badgers, which is another problem. So we'll be talking to Gordon in a little while. Have a listen. Perhaps he's having the same sort of problem. Perhaps somebody's got a cure for these holes out there. (laughs) Give us a call, 0800 111 Love to hear from you, as long as they are humane. We do not want things that are cruel, do we? Do we, Paula? No, we don't. Definitely not. Okay, keep listening and see whether we can come up with an answer for you. How about that? Okay? Thank you. Pleasure. We go to Betty now. Now, Betty has been... uh, Sorry, we lost you for a minute, but we've got you back. Betty from Romford. Talking orchids? Yes, but not the normal orchids. This one has got flowers from top to bottom. Ah, are the flowers held quite tight to a central stem? Yes. Is it a white one? A very, very thick stem. Is it a white one? White, 
yes. Yes. They do come in lots of colours. White's the normal, oh. isn't it? The with, normal. With pink. What I wanted as to well. ask was, it's just died off. I've had it for about three or four weeks. It's been beautiful. But it it's should... all the flowers What's now it called? are withered. Yeah, What's it called, it, right, Tom? It's called a dendrobium. Now, it's one of the ones, it's funny, it's one that I had years ago. I, I've seen them and tried to make these things grow. Never had any success. Went to uh, the Orsic show and there's an orchid man there. And I said, yeah, come on. Tell me how you get these blooming things to flower again. He said, they're quite difficult. Are they? They are do difficult. You, yeah. So what do you do oh. with them? What well, does Tom do with them? Well, I actually let them dry out. Yeah. Uh, so after flowering, I let them dry out. So actually, the the actual single that central stem begins to shrink a bit. Yeah. I then give it water, and I give it water by putting it into the sink. A little bit of tepid water. If you've got rainwater, even better. Let yeah. it sink there. Let it take up the water. Twenty minutes, half an hour. Put it on the draining board. Let it drain. Don't let it sit in water. Pop it back into your container. And actually, if you keep on doing that, and also use an orchid drip feeder, yep. which you get from any of your garden centres. Um, you will start to get new shoots from the base. And you cut the old one and out. And then you cut the old one yes, out. Yes, so because that's what I didn't realise. Talking to this orchid man, it's really important that you cut the old stem out. The old stem will not flower again. Yeah. Well, these two, I've got two very thick stems again. That's what you want. Yeah. Six or eight inches tall. I tell you what, I, I left cut those on out. until I got new growth from the base and some of the new growth has started to flower. Then I cut the top off. All right. Go so for you it. leave it for now. I leave it until I get new leave growth. You leave can it. cut it off early, though, yeah, but he but said. The, but the key thing is don't overwater. No. You just want to... Keep it on the dry side. Soak it, let it drain, dry. put it back into the container. Okay. When do you cut the stem off? Uh, really, when I get some new growth from when the base. When your new growth is coming from the base, you cut it out. I see. Okay. Thank you. Keep it fed with an orchid feeder as well. That's really helpful. And we go now. Don't forget the number to call is 0800 4041. Maureen in Wickford. Hello, Maureen. Hello, boys. Always look forward to your programme on a Saturday. Good. Now, got a problem. We're trying to dig up a bush which is in the front garden. It's a very narrow strip. It was there when we moved in. I haven't got a clue what it's called. But the trouble is the roots are very fibrous and we just cannot dig it out. Have you got any advice? Now, hang on, you can't dig the plant out or you can't get rid of the roots? Now, we've cut the plant down and now we're stuck because we can't... It's all fibrous and the ground... How, is, how wide is the bed that you're trying to dig it out of? About 18 inches to two foot. I think with a, with a good spade, you should be able to chop through the roots. Some of the roots will go under the paving or where, whatever's... Cl is it paving next to it? Yeah. Yeah, we've tried that, but we're just not winning. That's why we thought you might have a magic answer. Uh, pruning saws. I would use pruning saws on, on root an old, systems. Yeah. And it, 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 even, a, even an old coarse, um, what's it? Uh, wood um, saw. Wood saw. Right. And saw through the and if it's fibrous roots. And actually, sometimes that might give you a bit more leverage as well. Once you pull that big section out, what, it might, it, just straight what? through it as much what? as you possibly can. Yeah. Saw through the soil, you're saying, are you? Well, if you if you can't bring the soil back, then this is a this is a knife that's not going to probably survive very yeah, well. You're going to um, ruin it. So you're going to ruin it. But okay. it's actually one way in which you could actually take it out. The other one is um, if you've got and it's just the energy to do it, really, um, like a pickaxe type thing. A mattock. A mattock might be good to try and sort of see if you can cut into it that way. That might give you also a bit more leverage. Okay. Even a hand, even a hand axe. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. 
Because you, don't, help, because you don't want it, so you're not worried about it. If you don't want really. it, you're not worried no. about ruining it, are you? No, 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 just want it out. Okay. <laughs> okay, all right, thank you. Good luck on that one. Yeah, and let us know how you get on, Maureen, because we're always keen to know. And we go to Kim from Hardy's Green. Hello, good Hi, morning Kim. there, lads. How are you? Um, we've we've yep. got a quince tree. How very plant, nice. We planted about five years ago. We planted an orchard and we wanted all different trees in, and one of them was a quince. And um, it seems to have been dogged with problems since we put it in. Um, we've had black leaves on it and we've had um, the, the fruit has been split in and we don't know why the, the fruit has split at all. Um, and some years it hasn't produced any fruit. But this year we've got, it's absolutely glorious. We've, it's been fantastic and we've got loads of fruit there waiting to be picked, but we're not sure when we're to pick it. Well, just go, I just want to go back to the splitting fruit. The splitting fruit is usually because of a lack of erratic water. watering. Um, oh, lack of watering. Could, it okay. can be lack of water. So that's key to lots of fruit plants. If you haven't quite got enough water, the classic sign is They'll fruit split. drop or fruit split. Oh, so, okay. We thought maybe we were watering it too much. No. Mm, you can always ch um, just put rare. your hand or a couple of fingers into the ground. If it feels too wet, then yes, leave it alone. But if you okay. if it's more friable in your hand, then add more water. But mm -hmm. this year has been very good. The one at the college is absolutely laden mm. with fruit. And it will be ready once you can cup that fruit in your palm of your hand and you just push up. And, it, and if you twist, it mm -hmm. should just come away from the tree. But it can be as late as late October. Yeah, they're quite late fruits, oh, okay. really. So a bit like an apple when you pick an apple. Just exactly. Push it up. So, so what you don't want to do is pull because you'll end right. up probably pulling the growth points Out. for future uh, flowering and fruiting areas. All right. Oh, okay. Okay. So just push up and twist. Yeah. Push and up if it and falls twist. off, then that's okay. That's yep. fine. Yeah, they're, tough as, they're tough as old boots, those things. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, that's lovely. Thank you very much indeed. They've got a lovely blossom as well, haven't oh, they? they? It's, they quite, are very, it's quite large. Yeah, actually, it's a large, blossom. large blossom, isn't it? And Gordon from Leon C. Don't forget, Gordon's rung us on 0800 111 That's the number to call if you'd like to talk about gardening. He's, uh, Gordon's talking about badgers, aren't you, Gordon? Uh, good morning. Yes, I am, yeah. Um, of course, you've actually been through it with some, another lady a little bit a little while ago. Um, it is definitely badgers in my case, because I've seen, I've seen him out there several times. I've chased him, actually, a few times. <laughs> um, he's as big as a small pig. Yeah. Like animal. Um, and he does dig up all over the place. Now, I've tried the, uh, like, sprinkling powder and stuff around. Yeah. Um, and it, okay, fair enough. He won't maybe dig on that very bit, but the garden's a fair size, and, you know, so let me tell how much powder you start throwing around. Um, I've tried everything. I've, I've got a set of steps that had a string tied to them, and when I see him, because I've got a little alarm there, tells me when he's out there, um, I pull the string, it goes down and crash, and that frightened him off a bit. But last night, I put the steps out there, and I didn't hear the alarm go. He dug a hole right next to the steps. <laughs> the <laughs> They're cheeky buggers, aren't they? They really are, you yeah. know. No fear. No <laughs> fear. Night, I chased him down the garden, he went through the fence. I turned my back, I shut the door, and Jerry's coming back in again. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. It was so... If you've, if you've got any apple trees, they come in for a windfall apples, don't they? They love windfall apples, badgers. Well, I, I haven't got any apples. Oh, you I haven't? Try, I used to leave odds and ends out occasionally for a long fox, but I don't put anything out there now. To make you sure. can't. You can't. Right. It encourages all sorts of things. Yeah. So, 
So what you're trying to find is a, is a super cure to stop your badgers entering your garden. How are they coming? Underneath the fence? Uh, through the fence. They make a damn great hole in it. You know, great they, they, they seem to chew, don't they? Even chew wire fences to get in, don't they? Well, they woke me up. A couple of times they woke me up actually ripping the wood. You can hear it. It's, you know, somebody just getting a bit of wood and ripping it, you know, thin wood. And they just make a damn great hole and just, you know... They're Trundling. So your answer is... No answer. Having a clue. Is that right, Gordon? <laughs> That's why I rang you. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anybody's got super cure that is, again, humane for stopping badgers entering their garden, let us know. 0800 111 All right, again, Gordon? You yeah, never, thanks, yeah. you never know what will turn up here on <laughs> the BBC Essex Gardening Programme. Um, we have all sorts of answers sometimes. Florence from Elm Park. We're talking lawns again, aren't we? Oh, yes, please. What We've been like talking about this before. Uh-huh. Um, I, what I would like to know is, is chicken manure and bone meal OK to put on the lawn this time of the year, please? We're both looking in horror here. No. I wouldn't even put those on a lawn. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put either of them on a the lawn ever. No, I'd use them in... Um, I use bone meal. You, bone meal you traditionally would use as a, as a base dressing when you planted something. You could put um, it. On, you could put it on the gr- in the ground prior to laying a lawn, but you would not. No, you wouldn't bother putting it on top. And nope. chicken manure. No, leave that for your beds, borders, and allotment plot. But really thoroughly really? dig that in. I, mean, I was listening to. Oh, I was watching Gardening World last night on the telly, and there was a woman there, and she had a beautiful lawn, and they were remarking about it, and she said, "I put chicken manure on it twice a year." She's feeding it a lot of nitrogen. It would encourage foxes uh, and vermin. I did think of that. Yeah, because they do. They love a bit of chicken manure, it. don't they, Tom? So yeah. I still, I hate to say, I know she might have done it and it was on Gardener's World, but it's not something that Tom would recommend and I, I wouldn't either. No, I'd use something like... Either in the in the growing season, I would use something like maybe a liquid feed because it's quick and goes into the ground very quickly. Makes that, yeah, that works I can very get quick. that from anywhere, can yeah, I? Yeah, you can any anywhere, or you can go for a autumn feed at this, um, time, at of this time of the year, which is lower in nitrogen because you don't really want to- lots of leafy growth, but you do want something that's going to protect uh, and strengthen the plant over the winter period. So any lawn lawn feed product you can get from all your good garden centres that'd be the best bet. Okay, Florence. Just Thank follow, the, instru- follow and, the instructions and really, Florence, really carefully. And Florence, it's nice to hear that you've called BBC Essex Gardening phone in for sound advice, you see. I'm not saying don't take any notes of anyone else. I just said you're ringing us for sound advice. Didn't I, Ken in Torrington? Hello, Ken. For the last five years, yes. my eldest daughter has a very, very healthy Venus flytrap. I would say your daughter's done very well if she's kept it the that long. Thing, the only thing is... Yep. Um, we were told when we purchased the thing never to feed it water. Um, instead, it has to be used rainwater. That's true. That is true. They don't really like. Oh, ha- ha- they don't look. Ha- they don't like hard water. They tend to live in where you naturally find Venus flytraps and other so carnivorous or insectivorous plants. Is it's where the ground is so poor in nutrition. Yeah. which tends to be, an example in this country, could be where you've got maybe very acidic 
um, bogs, like yeah. sphagnum bogs and peat bogs, and you will get some of these plants growing on the surface, and they have to adapt themselves. So they they adapt their leaves into a trap. Yeah, I'm on. The, uh, I'm not got phones going. Right. So um, they. they they, they they basically get their food when they need to get it. You do, you don't want to be feeding it because what we'll do is overfeed it. I think he's um, gone to the door instead of talking to it's us here visitor. at BBC Essex. It's that oh, postman. It's that postman. Dear. It's the postman Pat. He's at the door. Um, right. <laughs> We're obviously not good enough. You see, Tom, you're not good enough, mate. You know, good Obviously, there was a package. That yes, we had a to package. Have. Give us a call. Triple one forty forty one. Oh, perhaps he's won. He's perhaps he's won the lottery, and he's going to bowl that land. You never know. Carolyn Earls Cole. What can we talk to you about today, Carol? Oh, good morning, Ken. Um, about four years ago, we planted two um, pyrocanthus, one red, one yellow. They're both on the same southeast facing wall. The yellow is absolutely smothered in the berries. Yep. And the red is very sparse and really only in the top half, top 25% of the, of the plant. Yep. I just wondered if one's in the wrong position or what I can do to encourage more. more it, um, you I was going to say that, that's it. life, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we, get, we, got a, we got a couple of pyrocanthus at, co- at the college at Rittle. And um, now and again, you'll get some where all the root fruits at the top and sometimes it's all the way through, and sometimes it's nearer the bottom. Pyracanthus only flower and fruit on two-year-old wood or more. So as long as you've got that old wood, you'll potentially get, yeah. you'll you've get got flower. flowering and fruiting areas. That whippy young growth that occurred this year, which is as equally thorny as the rest of it, is what you can prune back to just in front of the old wood. So if you do okay. that, you can do that this time of the year, actually. You can cut back that whippy grove. So anything coming away from the wall, cut it back to maybe just in front of those fruitlets that are forming. A, you'll see the fruit more. But B, you strengthen the framework and you sort of contain it in one place. But it sounds like they're in perfect positions. Absolutely perfect. Yes. Well, we, we did have um, a small um, willow in front, you know, which we thought that was stopping the berries. Mm, don't and my think husband so. removed that, but and no, it hasn't made any difference. No, no. if, if no. anything... You've got more light, therefore, and less competition. So you'd probably get, you might actually, might benefit in the future. In the future. um, I I wouldn't overly worry. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, myself and Tom have got some more top tips. Now, what a time to turf a lawn. It's really good it's because, a bit dry. in fact, it is a bit dry. But I tell you what, you can do at this time of the year because I watched some somebody ploughing actually the other day, and there is some moisture in the ground. There's not a lot, but there is enough. Now, if you were had a new plot or you want to get rid of your old grass, let's look at an old lawn to start with. You would, I would, lightly rotate the top or get a turf stripper. Get rid of the turf completely i might even have sprayed it off first with something like glyphosate would you have done the same i would have the glyphosate just get rid of it fairly quickly and then rotate it lightly not too deep because then you get lots of soft pockets so you know rotate it down deep and you'll actually get quite a good tilt at the moment because the ground is quite supple it'll work quite well 
You need to tread it down well, but then you can rake it out beautifully and level because it will break down at this time of year. I've seen plots, they look good. I've seen several that are being done at this moment and it's an easy way to, to level it out. Level it out, use the back of a big wide rake to get it level, uh, but see that you use, um, you heel it and you walk up and down with your heels and that way you push the ground down and rake again. Do you put base fertilizer on? Um, it's not as necessary no, this time of year, really. is it? No, not really. What I tend to do is wait till the spring and then yeah. apply a general purpose feed yeah. then. But if you're turfing, turf around the edge first, not like they show you on some of these gardening programs. Uh, turf around the edge first. And, and then, why is that, Ken? Uh, because then you don't get all these edges on the edge and then they'll curl up. So you put it all around the edge first and then you infill just like a brick wall with staggered joints. Simple as that. Use a board to work off and then board it off. Jump up and down on the board and push it all down. I personally don't use a seed, uh, any soil dressing to fill in the gaps because I think that should join up. If you pull it tight in, it joins up well enough on its own. And I'll tell you what you'll need to do. Water it. Absolutely. And water it yep. at least once a day. Give it a really good soak. Something like an hour, I would. Wouldn't you? Absolutely. Get the perfect lawn then. Perfect lawn. What else you got for us? <laughs> well, one of the other things I'm looking at is I love plants for free, so I'm out there gathering seeds. Oh, so, you like doing oh, that, Oh, I love don't it, you? Actually, I actually do, we do a couple of classes with, with my, my RHS Level 3 practical students, um, and we've been doing that over the last couple of weeks. We're looking at collecting uh, Lunaria, which is honesty, those, those yeah. translucent seeds, yeah. uh, seed capsules, you can get about four or five seed in. Nine times out of ten, they all germinate. There's no need They're to not put them anywhere at all. Uh, things so I, I like to go out and actually collect seed like that or delphiniums or even looking at some of the more sort of woody type plants we're going out to collect some uh, cones and you always oh, yeah. collect cones mm. from conifers when they're slight when they're tight not in the green they're brown but they're tight which means the seed hasn't been lost yet so as the cone basically warms up through the year and as it matures it releases the seed which is like a little disc yeah um, so we're, we're doing that and harvesting those, harvesting berries, uh, so things like Cotoneaster, the Pyracantha. And yes, I know you're not going to get the same cultivar, but it's quite good fun. It's, trying it's to good experiment. fun to see what happens. So they are. And how do you sow them all? That varies depending <clears throat> on what they various are. Various different times, really. But the fruit types, uh, where you've got a hard seed coat, we tend to sow those before the winter comes in. Because yep. they benefit from the cold and germination won't begin until really April, May next year. Uh, the honesty, well, you can just look at it and it will germinate. It grows, so a it? nice seed bed or a tray, just broadcast them. I'll tell you what, they will germinate within about a month and be a up. Month. And they're absolutely hardy. Prick them out, grow them on next year. Well, keep listening to the podcast as there's still more hints and tips to come. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Michael from Great Baddow. Hello, Michael. Yeah, hello. Um, I've got two oleander plants in pots. One I've had north-facing, one I've had south-facing. Oh, right. The north-facing north one's still got loads of uh, pink blooms on it. Yep. The south-facing one is finished. Yeah. One, do I cut them back? And how do I overwinter them? Right. Well, firstly, you don't cut them back at this time of year at all because we don't know what winter we're in for. No. The north-facing will have more trouble through the winter if we I have can, a hard winter. I can move it winter. to the south face. Are they, oh, okay. are, they, are they in pots that they're you can in, move yeah. them around? 
Yeah. Because yeah. I would probably, if you've got somewhere... Moving to south-facing. Well, definitely moving to south-facing, because uh, it'll he heat up and warm up more quickly. But the winter, you need to protect them. So if you've got somewhere you can protect them under cover, that's your best solution. Um, but yeah, if I've you haven't got... Shed, got but that, obviously, in the shed, there's not enough light normally. No, no, not enough light. So your alternative is to lag, lag the container. Which is the and, most important, because the roots need the protecting. Yeah, and then, maybe, and then actually cover the plant... If so we that, only if we have really cold weather, though. Yeah, but I would use some of that horticultural fleece yeah. uh, over the top just to protect it and take some of that uh, frost away. And then really, the, the rule is, after flowering, but not at the moment, do it next year, after flowering, really, is to cut out the old flowering wood. You, the, can, you can either take that to the ground or you actually cut it to a vegetative shoot, a green shoot. But it's still flowering, it's, uh, so it's I would do it in the spring. That's what I'm saying. They're standard ones in a pot, so push yeah. it at the top one. That's all right. So, so, so I would leave them, enjoy the flowers, that, but have in the back of your mind. You've got to prune them out, in the spring for the, the old growth. Watch out for the weather and protect them, and then in the spring, cut them. We we had them at college in pots. We had them in, in the ground in a temperate house. We just cut them down in the spring. You've got a, a right. standard, just so trim, just... When you say cut them down, do you mean just trim them back a bit? If it was a no, multi-stem plot, but you've got a standard, so no, what you want to do is... Stem. You've got, you just got, got to trim it. Standard. You just trim it. Trim it. But keep trim some... Trim back a bit. But go and buy some horticultural fleece, and you can right. wrap it round two or three times, which will give it a, a protection of about three degrees yeah, at least. Right. All right? Well, what, what can I... What, you mean do that now and leave it on there? Or wait no, 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 no. Keep it in the shed so that as soon as you get a frost warning, you can cover them. Yeah. Right. OK? Okie dokie. Cheers. OK, Michael, because it sounds that it's worth keeping and worth looking after there, isn't it? It's, it sounds a nice value one. Plants, so. aren't yeah. they? Uh, let's go to John in Basildon. Hello, John. Hello there. Um, I've got a query. I've got some hibiscus uh, seedlings. I took some seedlings off the, the, the bush, and I've got about eight or nine of these hibiscus, but they're about two foot six high and a bit straggly. Can I cut them back? Uh, yeah, you can, actually. Uh, how, sorry, high, I delayed how high myself are they? How high are they? They're about two foot six, but they're, they're, they're a bit... I like, should cut them back first, earlier, yeah, shouldn't they're you, really? A bit, um, just a one stem, you know. And have you got them, are they in a tray, in a pot, no, or are in, they in a pot? I've got in pots. Okay, so are they all individual pots? Yes. So I would, if they're two foot six, I would be quite harsh, actually, and take them at least half. Mm. Uh, you could do that now. Oh, and yeah. um, what? So at the moment, it's all about building up a structure. Don't worry about flowers for the moment because they're very young plants. But it's just building up a structure of multi stems. Yeah. And what you'll need to do probably is move them on from those pots and potentially move them into the garden. Yeah, that's that's me. That's me plan. Yep. Yeah. You're yeah. there then. Yeah. The, the other thing is, I've got a canner in in a pot. I've had it in there for about five years. It's beautiful, but yep. I don't know whether it's getting too big for the pot is it pushing the sides out of the pot no because it's a big terracotta pot don't worry then i wouldn't worry no leave no. well alone oh lovely thank okay. you very much that's a pleasure thank um you. okay and we now go to veronica veronica in springfield hello veronica hello ken um my query is aeoniums um, I, at the moment they're on the terrace. They need to come in, I know. Do I feed them? And if so, what with? Uh, we're just about to lift them all um, out of the bedding scheme <laughs> at college uh, and we're going to be potting them on. Uh, we won't tend to feed until the spring. Uh, so it's just putting them in something. If you've got terracotta pots, even better because it's a lovely succulent plant. Have you got the black-leafed ones? 
I've got a lot of the black leaf ones and I've got a few of the green ones. They are lovely, so, aren't they? So pot them on into a sort of gritty compost. Uh, don't overwater them. Put them somewhere light um, So and, and bring them into a frost-free environment. Yes, they, they clutter my lounge and my study, <laughs> but they're beautiful. <laughs> and and then what I would use in the spring is I would use something like a liquid fertiliser, something like a tomato feed. Right, lovely. Thank you very much indeed. That's a pleasure, and thank you very much for your call. She has given us a call on 0800 111041, and we go to Ron, and Ron's in Gillingham across the water, aren't you? Well, you're in Gillingham in Kent, yes, Ron? That's correct. Yeah, you you see, you're tuning into the best gardening programme, but don't tell them over... (laughs) I've got my feet wet, but I made it. (laughs) Good man. (laughs) What, What can we do for you? Um, it's, it's not me, it's uh, my girlfriend. Um, yep. We're both in our 80s. Good. And now, in her front lawn, yeah. she's suddenly got a lot of little holes. Now, how small are the holes? Uh, They're the wrong. size that you can get a pencil into. Oh, that and, sounds um, like... beside oh. them, there's uh, a mould, a heap of soil, no. and it's a sandy soil. I think they're bees. They're bees, yes. Yeah, that's Le- what I thought, but yeah. I wasn't sure because I heard you Sounds about like weeks ago soli- when you spoke yes, about what, them. It's quite funny because they call them solitary bees, but you get hundreds of them in your lawn. <laughs> so they're not very solitary, but they actually live solitarily, <laughs> don't they, yeah. Tom? There's something, funny enough, someone rang, I think it was last week or the week before, weren't they, Ron? Yeah, saying last that, week, yeah, I think it was two weeks, three weeks ago. Yeah, saying he wanted to get rid of them. And I said, no, no you can't get rid of them. They don't really do any, they they don't don't do any harm. They don't do any harm other than make bees, holes. don't we? So. They aerate your lawn. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think she's stuck with them, but that's what I definitely would say they are. Yeah. What you could well, do, I, I you told could... her they were a protected species and uh, yeah. leave them alone yeah. and... Maybe they'll go away. Yeah. All, all I would do is just maybe brush the piles of friable soil yeah, around away. the lawn. That's all I would yeah. do. You, you did, us, did us proud, Ron, from Gillingham. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed for that advice you gave her. Thank you very much. Hope you both enjoy gardening in the future. Okay? Yeah, we will do. Good. Lovely to hear from you. That's Ron. Yeah, you see, Ron, you garden, you garden all your life. It keeps you healthy. That's what it's about. Um, let's now go to, where are we going? We're going down here, aren't we? To Pat in Kirby Cross, a local lady. Kirby Cross, Pat, down there towards Clacton. Is that right? That's right. And Frinton. Yeah. Um, what are we yeah. going to talk about today, then? Well, I have a magnolia in my, a big magnolia, Mm-hmm. And it's got seed pods on it. Yeah, they, they have hang sh- like grapes. They do, don't they? they? Do. Yeah, yeah, they're really impressive, aren't they? Yeah. Now, is it is it anything stressing the tree? Right. Um, it's something that comes up, doesn't it, Tom? Is should I leave them? Should I take them off? And the argument is that in theory, the plant is using some of its energy to produce the seed, isn't it, Tom? So uh, some people would say take them off, but. I don't actually. But I like I wouldn't them worry. I like the look of them. They're quite nice to look at because they're sort of a, a pinkish salmon colour. And the interesting thing is, once they start to rupture, the seeds then uh, dangle out and then drop to the floor. It's very, it's a very it's odd worth looking watching, thing. Really, but I would definitely have it. I would definitely. I don't worry. I wouldn't overly worry about sort of removing them. Mm. I'd enjoy them. A lot them. of my friends said they'd never seen it before, and oh. mine are quite a maroon colour. That's yeah. right. 
Mm. Yeah, pinky maroon, and in fact this year has seen a load of them, and it's mainly due to dry summer, where we've uh, the plants are all trying to protect themselves to mm. reproduce, and that's what plants do when they are stressed. And yeah? can you tell me, do, do I need to feed a magnolia tree? Always good to feed everything, isn't it, Tom? What would you feed it with? Um, anything that's got an iron, is an iron-based feed, so anything with what, sequestered, sequestered iron... iron. Um, and Liqu- you liquids? can well if it's in leaf at the moment. No, yeah. in the spring. Oh, in the sp- oh, definitely in the spring. I wouldn't do it now. No, I might have fed it in the summer, uh, but actually coming in sort of uh, March April time, start mm. feeding, and once it comes into leaf, I would do that. So once it's in leaf, use a liquid fertilizer. A liquid fertilizer containing yeah. iron. Okay. Right. That's lovely. Thank you very much. Good luck. And uh, there are. That's a, a nice call from uh, over a magnolia. And we're now talking Sheila. Oh, Sheila, you're in your car. I hope you are stationary, Sheila. Or are you no, got a driving? But listen, Ken, you did my garden in Lamborn End thirty years ago. All right. Oh. Is it okay? That's not why I <laughs> You did. You did it very well. Yes, you did. Um, I'm calling about a capture orchid. Yeah. Hasn't flowered for a year and a half. Now, what they say is you should have clear pots orchids. So I took it out. I tried to manipulate the roots, and I'm still thinking, why do they sell orchids with pots in that don't have clear pots? If you're supposed to see the roots, so it's clear. Do you know you're quite right? There are orchids sold in non-clear pots when they're supposed to be in clear pots. Is there any reason for that, Tom? Commercial, probably yes. A commercial reason. I, I I agree with you, Sheila. I don't understand it because a lot of them do thrive without the clear pot. Yeah, whereas yeah. we sit here yeah. and say, "Ah, oh, you need the clear pot because the roots need to be exposed." The key thing is the top of the top of the where the root ball is. That's the bit that really needs to have the light. And what lots of people yeah. do is they put moss or something over the top so it blocks the light level out. My understanding yeah. is. It, it's not so crucial for that particular orchid. It is for others, but as long as you've got light at the top part, that's fine. And also feed. They do benefit from feed. Yeah. Uh, so that well, might I trigger. Yeah. I've fed this orchid. I've moved it. I've given it a light pot, and it's got a new shoot on it. But I have been tempted several times to try it away. No, keep no, it. No, keep Persevere. It. Persevere with them. <laughs> just like, just like the girl. What? What just, I, just like the garden, yeah, persevere. Yeah. What I would do is leave it. Don't move it around so much. Just leave it where it is. Yeah. Just keep it ticking okay. over. Don't overwater. Lovely. And thank you yeah, for your... Yeah, I know. The water. No, thank you very much. And thank you for calling about the garden as well. I'm glad it's thank survived. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will survive with my garden. Thank you very much. OK, Thanks. that's Sheila. <laughs> Sheila, we looked after her garden years ago and we'll uh, talk to Malcolm in just a moment and we're going to be talking about horse manure, we're going to talk about more digging holes and about a large lawn and not forgetting that identification of that plant. Ken Crowther, this is BBC Essex. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly but let's take a final look at the top tips Tom has for us this week. Well, the other thing to look at is, of course, dividing perennials. Uh, you're coming to that right time of the year where you're thinking they're too big, they're crowded, I want to really mm. do some of that border. So things like the iris, for example, lift up the whole clump with your spades and forks. 
and then once you've got those lifted up, break them up into sections. You can just pull those you apart. You can with iris, you? really just pull them apart. So you've got that nice, thick, uh, swollen shoot with a tuft of growth at the end. And all the material in the, in the, in the inner centre, which has really died off, discard, compost, all that. Things like asters and phlox, echinacea and rudbeckia, give them another month or so, and then you can do that. But it's the same process. Even things like uh, some of the grasses. I lift all grasses this time of the year, so I would do it this year or do it in the spring, but you must do it when it's in the growing season because they tend to die off if you, you harvest them in the winter. Do you chop them with a spade? Uh, I do, yes. Yeah, or, or, or a knife or an old bread knife. Anything like that. Just reduce the top growth, reduce the root growth. And plant again. And plant again. What else you got for us? Uh, well, climbing roses. Last but not least. We have been in there over the last few weeks pruning the climbing roses. And how do you do that? Do you looking for new stems? Well, well, sort of, yeah. I mean, you've got a framework you're actually cutting it to all the time. So it's not unlike a rambler where you're replacing the wood mm. every year. With a climber, you've got a structure. You cut back all the growth that occurred this year to a stub, literally one to two buds. So it looks a bit odd when you look at it. And I only ever take out the oldest limb if there's a new long limb to tie in to replace it. And the key is, splay out all the branches horizontally or as a fan, because you slow the sap down, you get more breaks, more flowers, better display. Thank you, Tom. Let's get straight back to your gardening questions now. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Let's go to Malcolm. Hello, Malcolm. Good morning. What can we do for you, sir? Uh, we have a wisteria in the garden. It's quite an old one, about 20 years yeah. or more than that. And we've always been unsure about pruning because we tended to get lots of flower with even more leaves. So thought we weren't pretty. And we read this year that what a new method was to prune right back hard this time of the year. And I've intended to do another prune in the spring. So we've followed the first part of the instruction and we're now getting cold feet. What should we do? <laughs> right. It's not, I don't think it's a new method. It's what we have been doing traditionally Tra for years. Traditionally, you, you prune in February, you cut back the whippy growth to two buds or one bud to the mainframe. And in the summer, from July onwards, you keep cutting you cut it. again, and you might cut every two weeks, all the way through the summer. Because those whippy growths will keep being yeah. produced. And the key Malcolm. thing is, it's trying to keep all the older wood. You want the old wood, because that's what it flowers on. It doesn't flower on that young wood. I but but yeah. the reason you're cutting back though, to those two buds on that young wood is to establish that wood to flower in the following years. Yeah. Okay. So, so what you're doing is right. Keep cutting it. All that whippy stuff back. Keep going out yeah. there every week and doing it. Yeah. The, the only thing I would say is if, if you've got a gap or a hole in the sort of uh, climber you have, then that's where you might want to keep one of those whippy shoots and tie it in so it fills out the gap. And once you tie it in, you tip it. So you take off uh, at, at least a foot uh, just above where it's tied in. And that will in turn also develop some flowering buds in the future years. Okay. Okay, thank you very much indeed for your help. Okay, that's Malcolm from Billericay. I'm just going to quickly say that Peter Stewart, I did promise right at the beginning, uh, Peter Stewart sent us a picture on an email, ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. You can use that, and I will try and I answer most of those, even if I don't answer them on air. And the plant, 
Hi, it's commonly called paintbrush plant. What is it, Tom? Hymanthus albifloss. It's a South African bulbous perennial. Huge, lovely green leaves. Kept indoors only. Absolutely, but it has this star-like flower with little bracts of green around it. And the flower will die back and it will reproduce new flowers in the yes. coming season. Yeah. So lovely, I, lovely plant. So I hope that helps you, Peter. Um, should I put horse manure in my trug with the soil ready for the spring? I'd only put the horse manure un halfway through. I wouldn't put it on the turf yeah, surface, and would if you? It's, well rot it's got to be well rotted, whatever you do. Uh, that's coming as a text. Um, and let's go to Alan. Alan is in Hoddesdon, across the border. Hello, Alan. Hello, Ken, Tom. Uh, what happened You've, about the uh, people? No, we haven't. We've got the... Yeah, I There's was the... you'd sell something about them. I am going to. Don't you worry. Oh, so right. you beat so me to like, it. Listen or... Ah, we kept you on your edge of your seat. Right, the yeah, Beatles. I've been listening all the morning. Good. Well, I hope you listen every morning. I do, <laughs> every, every Saturday I listen, yeah. Very, very good. Good, man. Right, Alan. Um, right, Alan from Hodderson. Alan Ball it is. He's talked about these bugs last week. We identified them because we said they looked like a shield bug, but the it didn't quite match the shield bug uh, description that we were getting between us over the air. You sent us some in a packet. Tom and I have looked at them. They've got spots on them. They're the size of a large... Harlequin ladybird in size. Yes, Tom? They have. And they've got a chevron pattern yeah. on the top of their abdomen. Now, what are they, do They you are think? green shield bug nymphs. These are the young stages of the shield bug. So, so they will develop into a classic shield bug. So, in fact, we were right last week. And what the one thing that we said, Alan, last week is a sh if they're shield bugs, you don't normally worry about them. No, they're good. I know that. Yeah. yeah. So they do some minor damage. So yeah, they are a sort of minor pest, but they're not something you really worry about no. too much. And to give you give you a clue, give you something else that will interest you, Alan, is that Tom, who who teaches obviously at Riddle University College, um, is going to take them into college because he can use them in one of his <laughs> it's lectures. A, it's a teaching aid. And can I just say, Alan, that it's a really good way of put it, sending this stuff through the post. It was in a little uh, plastic sort of capsule. With some breathing holes in, yeah, and it's and got, some vegetation yep. from the old runner bean, uh, so it's great. Good, that's very good. Thank Alan, you very much. Uh, just a couple of things on your on your on you requested as well on on your little on your small letter here, and it says quick answer to when should you prune his fig tree because it's got very vigorous summer, isn't it? Basically, yeah, uh, topping back the new growth to back to a healthy fruitlet. Or just topping no. up the new growth. Yeah, you that's do, in the summer. You can do that late summer. But at the moment, uh, nothing. All, all I would do is remove any of the very tiny fruits. They're not going to get through. No pruning. When do you hard prune? That is type of pruning. No, hang on. It's it's grown too big. When do you cut it back? Do um, sort of March April time. I'm an April May time. So. Yeah. All right. Is Thank it, you. Is, yeah. Is that all right? Uh, yeah, sweet. Lovely, yeah. Good. Good to hear about your sweet potatoes. Yes. Yeah. Have we answered everything now? Uh, well, no, you haven't not about the sweet potato, but I dug the last three plants up and got over seven pound in weight of sweet potatoes. That's very good. I think you've done well, quite honestly. Yeah, I was very pleased with them, yeah. In, in a year like this, I think you did very well indeed. Good. I only lost my peanuts, though. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much for coming back to us. We hadn't forgotten you, Alan. We were, oh, we were just discussing it during the travel, said we must talk about Alan's letter.
All right? Thank you very much. I will probably come back with some more queries later on. That's what we're here for. <laughs> the garden uh, gardening questions is what we do here. Send some uh, bugs in. Right, let's uh, talk to Rhoda in Highwood. Rhoda. Hello there. Hello, Ken. Um, do I cut the tops of my hellebores? No. no. You would only cut old old leaves off hellebores. Old spotted leaves or old dead leaves cut right back. Right. Um, and then in the spring, once they finish flowering, you'll get some more old leaves. And cut those back. And then um, allow the flowers to set seed. If you don't want the flowers to set seed... As they form their fruitlets, you can remove the mm -hmm. flowers. Yeah. And um, what do I feed them on in the spring, I should think? Well, I tell you, I, it, I, again, it's, it's been a good one today because it's all about iron. Iron mm -hmm. feed is really, really good for hellebores. Oh, so right. A, so a sequestered mm -hmm. iron would be good. Yeah. Um, that would actually also green up the foliage. Equally, mm -hmm. you can just use a multi-purpose fertiliser. That would be fine. Right, right. Lovely. Lovely. Okay. That's all I wanted to know. Thank That's you very pleasure. much. Lovely. We can, we can fit in another call on 0800 0800 4041. If you'd like to get a quick call in, we can deal with that as well. Uh, thank you, Rhoda from Highwood. And just to answer another one here, just saying digging holes in the lawn. We have foxes that are digging holes in the lawn. They're doing next door as well. I can't stop them. And that's Dave from Westcliff. So they are Dave from Westcliff. Uh, no answer to you there either. So that's a, a bit of a problem there. Obviously, there's lots of holes being yeah. dug by lots of people. All you could do is just keep on mm. filling in and hoping for the best, really. Right. Uh, don't forget, we can get one more call in. Yes, one more call we can fit in. 0800 111 We can get that in as well. And let's go to Pat from Colchester. Hello, Pat. Hello. Um, I've got a, an orchid which I've had for years, and it's had three lots of bloom on this year. But the, um, do you call them air roots? They're, yep. um, <laughs> they're probably between two and three feet long, I think. Um, am I supposed to cut those off? Because they look really... Straggly and awful. Well, ideally, they're best left on uh, oh. because they gather all their moisture from the atmosphere. Or if you're spraying the plant, you just you spray that part of the plant. Because uh, in their native countries, they basically hang on other plants and just dangle those roots in the air. <laughs> um, if they're really, really long, it's, and it's like the odd one or two, then there's be nothing wrong in you just removing if you felt okay. they're in the way. As long as you've got a good proportion of them left. I see. And um, if you're going to... On. If you've got a mist, also use try and use tepid water or rainwater. Okay. Um, just one other thing. One of the leaves is turning yellow. Um, as I say, it's only just recently finished with blooms. I had about 13 blooms on uh, it. If they go and yellow, you just wait till they're yellow all over and cut them off, don't you? You can do. Or it's, it's, it's not sitting in water, though, is it? Oh, no, no. No, so it might just be natural die back of the plant. So if it's looking really, really yellow, just a tug on the on the leaf should actually just detach it from the rest of the plant. Okay. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, let's quickly go to our last call of today, Anne from Tiptree. Hello, Anne. Hello. Right, I've got a hibiscus, right, a pink one, very very tall, and it's just started to go yellow now. I wondered if I could trim it because I've got a blue one next to it, which is going into it, so it looks lovely. They do go yellow at this time of year. The, the, the leaves will turn yellow on yeah, hibiscus. I want to trim it down a bit. When, when do we... I do that? Please? Well, it's, it's, if it's finished flowering, yes, then you can do a light trim now. Right. 
So well, yes, you could, right, you could do it now. It. It's about trying to accommodate both plants, isn't it? Really. So yeah, you could the trim one both. Is smaller, but it's going into it, which I, it does look lovely when it's flowering. Yeah. Well, take a bit out. Just just take a bit out the one that's growing into the other and uh, feed them in the spring. Yeah, okay. we always feed them anyway. Jolly Sounds good. like Anne's got the hang of looking after hibiscus. I always like to leave them alone, actually, because I don't like pruning Usually hibiscus. Usually when I cut them, I die. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, look, hi, Ken. My son laid a large warm lawn three weeks ago. It's growing like mad. Is it OK to first cut it or leave till the spring? <gasps> Why do people want to leave lawns and not cut them? I do not understand at all. Do you? No, cut when they're about five centimetres, cut no more than a half. And then what do you do through the winter period with the new lawns? Do the same. Just keep, keep on, cutting Just keep it. on cutting. Just keep on, keep on cutting. It's a plant that keeps on giving. <laughs> the Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 111 40 41 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. 